Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Man will end up leaving you with this memory of a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. You need to be careful where you put your confidence. Notice it says in verse number 21, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. This is one of the most poorly translated, poorly understood scriptures in the Bible. Because notice what else it says. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Verse 22. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, I've heard people say this, that they actually take joy in the idea that if somebody doesn't do us right, if we're right to them, it'll be like heaping coals on their head. And our position might be that the coals on their head actually harm them. That's not the character of God. You understand that God isn't trying to harm people. <laughs> okay, one, one guy going, amen. God isn't using present circumstances to judge people. And you say, well, we're just going to heap coals. Okay, you don't know what spirit you're of. When you are nice to somebody, their realization of that niceness is the coal upon their head, the shame in their heart, not you putting that on there, seeing a retribution to them. This is not about retribution. Notice it says, for as you reap, for you, so you will reap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. The, the Lord is not rewarding you for punishing someone with this mentality. Okay? Be careful. Be cautious with this. Good morning. Be cautious with this, people of God. You say, well, I'm just going to be so nice to them. That's going to heap coals. That'll give them theirs. That's not what he's talking about. This is really talking about them realizing that. This is not about punishment. This is about coming to knowledge of how God would have us to operate. But you can process it. Verse 27. It is not good to eat much honey. See, I don't really like this one. I am a honey aficionado. I love honey. I love honey from different flower groups. If you've never had different flower group honey from, from different areas, oh, you're really missing something. They sell them. They sell it. Notice what it says. It's not good to eat much honey. So to seek one's own glory is not glory. To seek one's glory. Jesus said this in, in the book of John. He says, how can you do this when you seek man's glory? See, if you don't understand that nothing that we do is meant to... Uh, 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 put glory on us. It's meant to put glory reflected to Jesus. If Jesus doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. Notice it says then in verse 28, whoever has no rule over his spirit, probably an unfortunate translation, but meaning the part of you on the inside and uh, your spirit, in my opinion, in New Testament theology is governed by God. Your soul is governed by the degree of a renewed mind that you have. Okay? When your mind is renewed, your soul will live more closely with the principles and the guidance of God. 
So whoever has no rule over his own spirit or soul is like a city broken down without walls. Meaning that there are all kinds of ways for the fall and destruction of this thing because there's no boundaries in a man's spirit or soul. Notice it again. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit. There are certain aspects of life where you need to have significant boundaries over the interior, the decision-making invisible part of you. You need to have serious boundaries over that. Because what happens is the enemy of your soul will give you boatloads of opportunity to operate outside of the character of Christ or outside the character of God. How many of you ever had a person you struggled with? And maybe you thought they needed an education. And it seems like God keeps bringing them around to you. And you don't have any control over your spirit, man. So you don't present or have limited control in that area so that you present your position towards them in a way that, that is less than godly. How many of you know you're not going to have much influence in that person? Because they're going to see you as judgmental and critical. Now, people don't need to know right off the bat that what they're doing is worthy of judgment. What they need to know is that what they're doing is still covered by the grace and mercy of God. Some of the most unfair, I, I love it when people say, well, that's not fair. Do you understand as a Christian you operate in the most unfair principles on the planet? You did nothing but accept the work of Jesus Christ to operate in His grace. You did nothing not to be punished for the goofiness of sin in your life. You didn't do anything. You did nothing to grow your faith. Your faith is a gift from Him. Lest any man boast. That's the most unfair thing on the planet. And it says, whoever has no rule over his spirit. We need to be ruled by that unfairness. It's really difficult, in my opinion, it's really difficult to deal with people who don't understand the truths. It's really difficult to deal with them in grace. Because you think one little ounce of truth will help them. Remember when Jesus said, I am the way, the life, and the truth? Do you understand that an excessive amount of truth without appropriate way is truth without grace. Living right without the power of truth is just a highly disciplined life. Right? I mean, you can wear your hair to the ceiling and your dress to the ground and not be, ho and not be holy. See, that life and that way and that truth, I personally believe there's not any one of them any more important. But what happens is we will look at people whose way is difficult for us. And we will say to them, your way needs to be fixed by my supreme truth. We will elevate truth above way and above living. When in reality, most people don't care. I don't even want to say this. 
Most people don't care what we espouse as truth because they're watching how we live. So our life of Jesus Christ and our way of grace and mercy and faith needs to be elevated to the place of our belief system. If your belief system is way down there, you will not act in the way. If your way is down there, your life will not get ev give evidence of the truth. See, and so when he says this, he says, listen, whoever has no rule, no overarching boundary and authority over the invisible part of life. You say, well, okay, how do I test that? Well, you test that by going through those circumstances and see what comes out. I've been a pastor a long time. And I know that people at times go home and have roast pastor for lunch. They don't like what I say. Well, I didn't get it. Where was he going today? What was he doing today? I didn't get anything out of that. Did you know that when you don't get anything, it's not because of the speaker's fault? If you close yourself off by a judgmental, I already know that. You won't hear. You say, well, I shouldn't have to listen to that goofball. When you shut off the goofball man, you may very well shut your spiritual ears off to what God's saying to you. That's the tough one. You don't need to hear what I'm saying. You need to hear. I was with a pastor this week. And he was telling me about his, his uh, Friday night, uh, telling me about this conference he went to. And initially, he said in the first sermon or first uh, session at this conference, he's writing down everything that the speaker was saying, all the little bullet points. And he couldn't keep up because he just thought it was so good. And then he said this, sitting across the table from Tracy and I, him and his wife. He said, so I decided to write down what God was saying to me. Because you see, when you're exposed to things that you've never heard before, all of it sounds good. When, you've, when you're exposed to things you've always heard, none of it sounds good. I'm in a lot of churches where it was easy to get saved every single week. I mean, walk the aisle, man. Give your life, you know, to, to the Lord. That's a positive, powerful thing. And I would say to myself, well, I don't really need this. I'm pretty sure I'm already saved. And so then I'd sit there and before, you know, the appetizer for lunch was roast preacher. And I was having it during the church service because I had no boundary on my interior life. How do you know they're there? You watch what comes out of you under pressure. I've been doing this for 40 years. No one, please don't do this now if you are so inclined by my example. No one has ever stood up in any of my services and yelled, that's just not the truth. Maybe you should. But you want to be careful with the guy who's been doing this this long. Because I will expose you to the opportunity to tell what your truth is. And what you'll find is, when you sit there and look at me, or whoever the person is, you sometimes can lose your focus on who you're supposed to be looking at. But when you stand up here and look at the people, you'll find that when you take your eyes off the people, you can see God.
because God has me here or any leader here for you, not for my wisdom. Does that make sense? So you've got to have boundaries, rule, overarching, authoritative understanding of how your life is supposed to go. And if you say, well, I just don't get anything, I, I, just, I, I would challenge you so hard. Because if you didn't get anything from me, it's because you were listening to me. Don't do that. Listen to God. You can be in the worst service in the world and hear God's voice. Have some boundaries over your inner life. Does that make sense? Right? So you're, you're going to say, wait a minute here. <clears throat> I learn that I'm going to have a rule over my interior life because he compares that to a city broken down without walls. What does that mean? Everything can get in there. You need to have boundaries when your ears are, be, are being filled with junk. Your ears are not garbage pails for the world's stuff. Stop listening. You say, well, I can't. It's, yes, you can. I will tell you how I know how you can. For $179, you can buy wireless earbuds that are noise-canceling, and you won't hear anything. I get scared regularly in my office because people have knocked on the door. I didn't hear them. Why? Because I'm using noise-canceling headphones. I can't hear anything other than what I'm having in my earphones, right? And so then they'll peek in. Well, they peek in and dear Lord, it scares me every time. It scares me every time because I'm captivated by the stuff that I'm listening to. Does that, that make sense? Whoever has no rule over his own spirit, over his own inner man, is like a broken down city without walls. Notice in verse chapter number 26, I don't know if you can it says chapter 24 after this. I hope that our new Bible that we just bought doesn't do that. Go backwards. Do you know how to get to chapter 26, brother? Okay. We're using new software. We got tired, thank you, of dealing with the old software. And you weren't in here when the band was practicing last week. And I don't remember what the problem was. But Jeremy came to me and he says, I'm about, to, I'm, I'm about done dealing with this. I went, brother, what do you, what do you need? And so he, he spent most of the week determining what it was. And on one day this week, maybe Wednesday, he said, I need this. And so we purchased it. It downloaded, you know, from the Internet. You don't have to wait for anything anymore. And lo and behold, we have a new piece of software. And uh, Paul is learning the ins and outs of it. Look at chapter 26. As snow in summer and rain in harvest... Now, let me just tell you, I'd be okay with the snow in the summer, but it's unusual, right? Rain in harvest is not always great. So honor is not fitting for a fool. Now, please don't think I'm calling you a fool. Man never gets to determine the definition of a fool. When you determine the definition of a fool, it's a somebody who's a fool according to you. Some things seem more foolish than others. It's a fool according to you. God has definitions 
of foolishness. Right? And, you know, we're 26 chapters into this book. And if you haven't figured out a little bit of how God talks about foolish people who don't accept the wisdom of God, don't use the knowledge of God, those kinds of things, then you've been missing a lot of this. Notice in verse number two, like, like a, a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, zip, 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 you know. So a curse without cause shall not alight. Now let me help you with this. In the Old Testament, so let's make clear separations here. In the Old Testament, Jesus had not become the curse for us yet. Galatians chapter 3 says, Cursed is he who hangs on the tree. Jesus took the curse. The curse of the law is not available to you without you wanting it. It's not going to, I met so many good-hearted people and they were so freaked out. I remember one time I was talking with a Baptist pastor in California. And he moved from his, his uh, uh, area to this little town in the mountains where he was inundated with California mountain people that were witches. I mean, you know... I don't know why crazy people go to high places in our country, but man, if you just go up in the mountains, there's some crazy folk up there. And in this case, he was literally surrounded by, by people who, who confessed that they were witches and they were working hard to close the churches of the area by, by pronouncing curses. And he says, Pastor, what do I do about this? They're, they're, they're publicly pronouncing curses. And I pointed out this verse to him. I said, let them. Well, what if they did that to your church? I said, they probably do. But you have to understand something. A curse causeless cannot have a basis in your life. You say, well, what if they say all these things? They're already saying those things. They're already talking that way. This is, this is for you to understand that with, in my opinion... That without you accepting the curse of the law, there is no curse that can come on you by accident. You say, well, yeah, but don't you understand, Pastor? There's these people. If you evaluate that, what you'll find is you've just elevated the power of darkness over the power of your God. I'm not asking you to be ignorant. I'm asking you to be smart, to be wise about the word of God. I, I judge my <clears throat> ministry direction based on how many times I kind of run into the devil while I'm trying to do something. If you never run into him, you're going the wrong direction. He should oppose. There should be all kinds of demonic questions about whether or not you're going in the right direction. When you get those questions, keep going. Keep going. You say, why? Because he's opposing you. If he opposes you, he doesn't want you to get towards the direction or destiny that God put in your heart. Does that make sense? This curse causeless thing, it, 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 can't, <clears throat> it cannot alight on you without you actually asking for it. Based on just, just righteous biblical truth. 
Amen. Notice in verse number three, it says, A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. <laughs> now, I don't know why this is so sharp <laughs> and, 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 and why we have these, these kinds of, of, of conversations here. But, but notice that, that the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here puts these things into movement issues based on something that they and us should be able to understand. If you whip a horse, it should move more quickly. If you bridle a donkey, it should move in a direction. The point being, if you rod a fool's back, it should change his speed and his direction. You understand that fools, based on God's word, are headed towards destruction. So the rod helps there. And I know, you're saying, who gets to swing, who gets to swing the rod? Wow, that's a tough, tough thing. It's not your rod. It's the discipline and correction of God. You'll get that. Notice it says in verse number five, four, a couple of areas here about foolishness. It says, answer a fool according, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Wait. Don't answer him, do answer him. How do we do that? According to his folly means in direct opposition to his folly. When God gives you that opportunity. Notice it says in verse number 8, Like the one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. See, oftentimes foolish people in the body of Christ are like people with that slingshot with a rock in it. And I always like to try and encourage people to realize that when you're in the house of God and you have to throw rocks, you have to throw it through your window to hit theirs. Not, not a wise thing. Not at all a wise thing. So we don't want to do that. It says he who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard. The more I read Proverbs, the more tickled I become with its language. You know, we can be all righteous and holy in all of this and go, what do you mean a, th a, a thorn or a sticker in the hand of a drunkard? And we act like we don't know what this means. Well, maybe you've never been falling down drunk. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't know what this means. Maybe you know someone who has. Or maybe you reflect that in your own life. Notice what he says. Like a thorn that goes into hand and drug is a proverb in the mouth of fools. There, there's, <laughs> there's no great understanding there, is there? Look at verse number 11. Oh, I'm about out of time. As a dog returns... Don't you love this language? As a dog returns to his own vomit... So a fool repeats his folly. I mean, there's just this great pointed language here that really is just a, a kind of a recounting of, of what had happened in, in the earlier chapters. But just, just great, great pictures. Do you see a man, verse 12? Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. <laughs> it's just really strong language. Really strong language. We'll stop there. I don't want to keep beating on you. 
So, and we'll, like I said, because these are restatements, I'm going to pick a few verses in each chapter and we'll work through this till we get to the end of, of Proverbs or we get to uh, two, two new passages or, or two different passages that, that we can talk about when we get to the end of the book of Proverbs. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for teaching us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.